Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Is abortion ever medically necessary to save the life of a woman? That is the debate that many of us will be having, hearing, engaging with, and we need to be prepared to respond. Are you? Do you hear of life-threatening situations for a mother who's pregnant? And maybe you consider that abortion might just be the most merciful and kind option? Well, we're going to give you the real truth and answer, so stay with me. And we're going to talk about maybe you're feeling a little disheartened and concerned as you hear about various judges and various states blocking, such as Louisiana and some weeks ago in Michigan, uh, blocking pro-life laws from going into effect. Listen, Roe versus Wade has been overturned, but that doesn't change anything when it comes to activist judges sitting on benches not doing their job, choosing to do what they want to do when it comes to abortion. And so this is going to take some time to work out, but the Supreme Court did issue a warning to these judges. We're going to talk about that, why we shouldn't lose hope, the good news to come, and onward and upward with a battle for life, because more than ever before is possible on the pro-life front. And we need everyone in all areas, sidewalks, in front of the abortion clinic, pro-life pregnancy centers, being involved legally, education. We're going to talk about that later on today. Joining me now is Father Tim Grumbach. He's from the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. He is the chaplain at Bishop Alamany High School in the diocese, Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And we're going to talk about two topics. One, why did Lightyear tank in the box office? I think Hollywood and the news media needs to wake up as to what's happening, not just with Disney, but with most Americans today. It's called inflation and also caring about what your kids hear, see, and watch. Also, we're going to talk about the shift in the culture with maybe you're reconsidering what support you give for various businesses. With the overturning of Roe versus Wade, many people are drawing a line in the sand as pro-life or pro-abortion or some, you know, I really appreciate companies that are just doing business and not always becoming political and making a statement. We'll talk about Disney and how that's actually significantly impact Father Tim and many of us in making choices with what businesses we support. Father Tim, welcome back to Trending. So good to be back and uh, a little bit different now that, uh, you know, we're not face to face again like we were last week. And uh, uh, but it's always still so good. And I'm actually uh, I'm in my own time zone again, which is uh, which feels pretty good. I've got about a week to uh, to get ready before heading off uh, onto the road again. So it's good to be back. 
spending last week with you, we were with a uh, hundred youth leaders and training them in, to be pro-life voices, voices uh, in opposition to the insanity of gender ideology, telling the truth about the body, the joy of their faith. You know, they were going to mass every day. They had the opportunity for confession. These kids were lined up in droves for confession. We were dealing with issues with some of these kids with severe depression. I remember one of the girls who was there last year, she was here this year. Last year, she was struggling with gender ideology. She was struggling with what she thought was a gender, gender um, that she was transgender and depression and with some help and aid that we were able to give her through uh, some of the great resources and telling the truth about the human person. This girl looked so happy this year. And I just look at the transformation that's occurring when people are empowered with truth and given God, who is the source of all truth and all healing. So I want to talk to you, Father Tim, and I want to throw this question out there to anyone right now. So Lightyear, the new movie that's a spinoff of Toy Story and the Buzz Lightyear character, it tanked at the box offices over the last few weeks. Opening weekend was a total disappointment. They thought they'd make a comeback in the second weekend. No good for the movie Lightyear. Now, if you're listening, I want to hear why haven't you gone to see Lightyear or to take your kids to see Lightyear? What was the reason? If you even cared at all, maybe you're just not going to the movies. I want to hear from you. But Father Tim, I do find it fascinating because this was the first Pixar movie to be released in theaters since March 2020. And so we've had a couple years since the start of COVID. A lot of Pixar movies, I think two or three now, have been released instead of in theaters on Disney Plus. It's been a huge win for developing the Disney Plus platform and the exclusivity and purchasing memberships. Uh, but I do think it's interesting because I think that the media and Hollywood commentary has it wrong as to why Lightyear tanked. And I want to hear from people who are not seeing it, just haven't made it a priority. And I know you saw the film. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts before we dive into some of the reasons as to why I do do believe people just aren't seeing this film well for the good first of all I actually, I actually kind of enjoyed it but i would also say to parents to be careful because you know there, there's a lot of action that could be a little bit too much a little bit scary uh for little children that may have otherwise enjoyed the toy story movies and i know there were some kind of darker scarier moments in those movies as well but uh, but with this one it's a it's a lot more action it's a lot more violent uh, and it can definitely be a little bit scarier for kids. Uh, but you know, as far as the premise of the movie, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought there were some really clever storytelling elements to it, um, but that's kind of where it ended as far as the enjoy enjoyment goes. Uh, I know that the, what, what we were looking at was that there are a few reasons that uh, you know, the media has given that maybe why it tanked in the box office. You know, one of those being that the, you know, the premise of the movie was confusing, uh, thinking that maybe it was, it was a continuation of the story of the character we, we've come to know and love from the Toy Story movies. Uh, but in reality, it's kind of, a, it was kind of a weird premise is that the very beginning of the movie, it kind of scrolls these words across the screen that said, you know, that Andy, you know, the kid who owned the toys in Toy Story, went and saw this movie with his family in 1995 and so loved the character that he wanted a Buzz Lightyear toy. And that the toy that we got to know in the Toy Story movies is based off of the character in this movie, which was supposed to be the movie that he saw in 1995, right? Confusing enough? Yes, that's maybe one reason why people weren't so interested 
in it when they found out it wasn't about the character that they have come to know and to love. Uh, so that uh, that premise is, is a bit funny. And one of the things I found strange about that premise, and let me know what you think, is that it says this is the movie that Andy would have seen in 1995. And as we'll see later is one of the other possible premises for why people did not go to see this movie was that there is a, a prominent to the story uh, uh, same-sex relationship in that movie. And I find it very hard to believe that in 1995 that a family movie would have had that kind of uh, relationship so explicit in, uh, in, in, in a movie like that. And so, you know, I know that's it's just kind of a, a silly you know, little detail they put at the beginning of the movie to give a premise to it. Um, but it's still, uh, you know, among other things in this movie, I know it's a sci-fi movie based off of a toy from, a, from another movie that still makes it a little bit hard to believe and a little bit confusing. Is that a movie that they would have made in 1995 if that is supposed to be the historical <laughs> setting in which they put it? You know, it makes me laugh because Disney Plus has all of these warnings on their films now. You know, oh, this is insensitive racially. You know, it, it has discrimination. Oh, yeah. And yet it would make me laugh. So are they going to put up on Disney Plus on the screen a big warning that says uh, this movie is culturally insensitive and does not consider <laughs> the time in history in which it would have been released? <laughs> like, you know, would they do that? No, because of the LGBTQ agenda out there today. I do want to talk about that and the drama over the so-called same-sex kiss. Um, But before we get there, I do think it's in some ways perhaps a little more simple than that as to why people didn't go to see this film. And I was really fascinated that I really wasn't seeing this response from news media or especially Hollywood reporters commenting on why no one went to see it. And I think it has to do, Father Tim, first and foremost, with the economy. I mean, people are struggling to fill up their cars with gas. They're being selective with where they're driving. You know, they're choosing uh, closer to home entertainment. And, you know, the reality is, Father Tim, is that the cost of a movie ticket is not what it was when we were Mm -hmm. kids. And, Mm -hmm. you know, yet alone what it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, kind of getting into all of that, uh, the, the... price of tickets to go to the movies has changed astronomically not to mention if you want to buy you know a box of hot tamales or whatever it might be that's your candy of choice and i think that again this comes everything back to you know parents have higher priorities today cost of Mm -hmm. food soaring gas prices inflation i think people are just doing the best they can to make sure hey we're functioning as a family and we're doing well Um, You know, it was interesting just being in California last week. I was in California a month ago, and I even noticed the restaurants are emptier, quite a bit emptier than they were just a month ago on weekend evenings. And so I think that the news commentary and the Hollywood commentary is just out of touch with, with the reality of where most American families are when it comes to the spending power to go to a movie and maybe waiting instead for it to come out on Disney Plus. Yeah, and I have to admit, I'm a bit spoiled with the situation that I have is, you know, I, I'm within five minutes of driving to a theater that has a plan where I can pay like 25 bucks a month to see three movies a week. 
And so, you know, I, I'm, you know, $26, like that won't even buy two movie tickets if you don't have that plan. And so, um, and I don't have to take a family to go see movies with me. So, uh, so I have the chance to go see these movies. And I, you know, honestly, I wasn't super hyped about the Lightyear movie, but I just wanted to be able to kind of see the story, see what people are saying about it and kind of make the decision for myself. And I'm glad I did because, you know, the, the article we were reading suggests that it was a same-sex kiss. That is one of the reasons why people didn't want to go see this movie. But it's actually more than that. It's not just like, uh, you know, I think Star Wars tried it a few movies ago where they, they had kind of like in the background or just like for a simple second, like a, a same-sex kiss and that uh, caused a lot of controversy. But this is more than that, is that, um, you know, if I might spoil the movie a little bit, is that the the idea is that, you know, Buzz Lightyear is trying to get his team, his crew off of a planet that they've crash landed on. And then he needs to try out a special fuel, like a hyperspace fuel in order to help them get off the planet. But every time he tries it, he goes away for four minutes on the planet, but it turns out being four years for him. And so he is constantly doing this test because he has to complete the mission. And so, you know, every time he goes, four years passes <clears throat> on the planet. And, uh, and then uh, he's, you know, his best friend, you know, one time he comes back, has this big, gaudy gold wedding ring. Like they want to make sure the audience doesn't miss it on her hand. And, and it's almost like nothing like, uh, you know, oh, you got married? Yeah, she's wonderful. And, and so you have the same sex relationship just like that. And there's no like questioning about it. It's like, oh no, this is supposed to be very normal. And so it's a normalization of these kinds of relationships and a normalization, uh, an expectation that a family should be able to sit down like this and like, yeah, that's what's happening in our culture. And that's exactly uh, what belongs in this movie. And then he goes back and another four years later, they, you know, the, you know, his best friend, she's pregnant. And, you, you know, it just left me with the question, the whole rest of the movie, like, well, how did she get pregnant? And I just find myself wondering, you know, if families are bringing kids to see this movie and maybe their kids know just enough about, you know, where babies come from, that they would ask an even more awkward question of where did that baby come from? And <laughs> right. so it is important for parents to know that beforehand going into the movie, you know, be ready to have those conversations if you're willing to uh, you know, let your children see uh, a movie with that kind of relationship in it. And, you know, I, I admit, I, I, you know, I see in the culture, that this is just the kind of story that our culture expects to tell and expects to hear. Uh, but, you know, we still need to ask those questions of, you know, where did that baby come from if it's a same-sex relationship between two women? And it just passes over that moment while focusing on the relationship. And, you know, it's a good relationship. They take care of their son, but uh, their son does not grow up with a father. And if anyone was going to be a father figure to him, it would have been Buzz Lightyear. But he's so occupied with his work, he's willing to sacrifice four years at a time. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's not exactly the, the most pro-family story that can be told. Marco called just a moment ago from California saying we have not taken our children because of the content and because of the same sex parents, quote parents, in the film. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is telling. It's the reason why a lot of people are not going in addition to the economy. That's a no for me. I'm an adult. I can go and see this movie. Grant, it's made for kids. But, you know, I in this instance, you know, I know that those same sex relationships are wrong. But I'm not going to put spending power. I'm not going to put support behind a movie who is trying to make, as you say, Father Tim, this relationship so normal. It's a movie for children. Grant, Pixar attracts a much broader audience. 
I, you know, Pixar has been incredibly talented at what they do. And I think that it's fascinating to me that finally we're seeing, and I think Hollywood needs to wake up. Disney needs to wake up. The education system needs to wake up. Parents are outraged, Father Tim, on both sides of the political spectrum over the sexualization of children and the scandalizing elements of the LGBTQ movement. Because the reality is, is that many, even adults, who are pro-LGBTQ for adults, oppose it being exposed to their children. I've talked to parents for years on this front in the dancer community, in the fitness community, as well as within the context of this educational Catholic community as well. And parents don't want it even when they're okay with those types of relationships for adults. And so I think that, again, that wake-up call is so important for parents. And when you have people, I just think that it was really dumb of Disney or the Hollywood community to push his tweets and comments. When you have the Captain America Chris Evans who played (laughs) Buzz Lightyear right in the film um, commenting in, in just absolutely insulting people for not wanting to take their children to this film i think that just infuriated people more so Uh, for you know the main character the main voice behind the film to insult parents about coming to see a film that he's the main character in i think it speaks volumes as to how far we've come from child-friendly behavior both on screen and off screen from people who are supposed to be considered role models in society today. Yeah, and it's not the first time Chris Evans has tweeted like oh, this uh, about these kinds of issues. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just remember thinking like, this is Captain America speaking this way, you know? So <laughs> was, not Captain America like. Yeah, he was afraid to say bad words as a character uh, uh, in the first couple of movies as a um, as a Marvel's adventure, um, but obviously we know that uh, there's a separation between the character and the actor, and uh, yeah, and so you know this is really pointing you know means that we've got some serious questions to ask ourselves as individuals, but also as uh, as parents and myself as a spiritual father about where we are putting our money, where we are putting our free time, mm-hmm. and so I'm definitely looking at Disney as a whole. You know, we we have already been uh, chatting a little bit about uh, the, the role that Disney plays in telling stories and ultimately you know stories are being told in order to teach in a way as well it's not just an escape from reality so mm-hmm. i would definitely like to look at uh wait, i know you've already talked a little bit about the way corporations are uh, yeah, so looking at this situation yeah, yes, yeah so and responding about, to that yeah yes yeah coming to mm-hmm. talking about like you said the support for abortion we're after, we're going to come back discussing this but i do want to hear mm-hmm. if you haven't gone to see light year or to take your kids why the number is 1-888-914-9149 the last thing i do briefly want to comment on on this uh father tim is i do think it's interesting that again this comes back to the politi- politicization of the movie industry and even children's movie there was already a lot of objection and controversy as to why disney didn't cast tim allen in mm. that buzz lightyear character and voice that i mean he created he owned and i think that mm. comes back to i mean he has been canceled in hollywood for holding to worldview that does not conform with the hollywood worldview of pushing the agenda on every issue 
that is anti-family, which is ironic for a pro-family film. And so I think that the roots of why people didn't go to see this film run much, much deeper uh, than Mm. what Hollywood and the mainstream media is willing to let on. Again, if you didn't see the film, I'd love to hear from you why economy, the bad influence of same-sex relationships and same-sex kiss-kiss. Was it because Tim Allen wasn't casted? Numbers 1-888-914-9149. That's Father Tim Grumbach here on Trending with Timory. We're going to come right back talking about why the Disney support base is shifting and why removing our support for pro-abortion businesses might just change us and make a difference. We'll be right back here on Trending with Father Tim Grumbach. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Father Tim Grumbach's here with me on Trending. We're going to talk about the shift circling around Disney and other businesses today, but especially Disney in the wake of the overturning of Roe versus Wade and the pushing of an agenda going after your children coming from Disney. In just a little bit, I'll talk about how we shouldn't lose hope as pro-life laws are being blocked by activist judges in various states because this is going to take a little bit of time to work out. Stay tuned. We'll talk about that in just a moment. What's happening on the pro-life front? It's a big week in history for life and life is winning and that's why these judges are going rogue and not doing their job we're also going to answer the question is abortion ever necessary to save the life of a mother it's not but are you able to respond when many people are using this argument to justify one either keeping abortion legal or two, adding an exception to a pro-life law. We'll debunk that and break it down in just a moment here on Trending. With me now is Father Tim Grumbach. He's the associate, pa- or sorry, no longer the associate pastor. Uh, he is a chaplain at Bishop Alamini High School in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And Father Tim, I know you and I have gone to Disneyland together. We've loved in the past Disney movies, Disney rides. We're both Southern California natives. Disneyland was a part of our bloodstream growing up and I know you know everything from Disney plus accounts to Disney movies to Disneyland passes have become a huge question mark for many families over the last 10 years uh, whether it be because of finances or now because of the fact that they just aren't making pure clean family friendly content in fact this week disney joins a slew of companies issuing statements on friday immediately in response they were prepared for this to the overturning of roe versus wade they made it very clear that staff will continue to receive uh, travel benefits to cover quote medical situations including quote family planning including pregnancy related decisions can you share your initial reaction to this radical pro-abortion move to say as a businesses including disney a so-called family-friendly business that will pay to have your kids killed even though that's who we make content for 
Yeah, my initial response is uh, I, I need just as radical a response. And, you know, I, I had to sit down and pray about this a little bit and, and, and think about, uh, you know, where is the Lord asking me to be present uh, at this moment? Um, so what I've kind of prayed and discerned so far is that um, I, you know, I'm not renewing my, my annual pass, my, you know, the magic key that they call it, because that's coming up in less than a couple months is I could renew my pass at the end of August because that's when I got it last year. And, and uh, you know, that might not sound like such a dramatic or radical action, uh, but, you know, Disneyland being something I, I grew up with, it's been something... Uh, you know, a place of rest and rejuvenation, as strange as that might sound. I know it's not that for families with little kids when they go. Um, uh, <laughs> but fun. for myself, yeah, it is fun. You know, for myself, it's something special that, you know, I can go with friends. Uh, I can go kind of at the end of the day and and hang out for a couple hours and maybe run into some people that I see there regularly or, you know, run into some friends I didn't expect to see there. Um, you know, just last week I went in the afternoon and uh, ran into somebody that I'd done some youth ministry stuff with years ago. And, and then while I was going to find them, ran into some of my seniors that had just graduated from Alamany. And so it's just like, it's a cool place to run into to people. Um, but it, it's just so strange to have to kind of pray about this and think, you know, Maybe it's just a myth. Who knows? But, uh, you know, Walt Disney started Disneyland as a place where people can find themselves in the midst of a story and not necessarily get lost or like escape from the real world, but to find themselves a part of a story that they're not on the outside of it, but they're actually within it. And there's something really human about that, you know, about telling stories, not just telling stories, but but being part of stories. And so that's what I love about Disneyland. Uh, but then now I have to see that it's, it's become uh, a bit more of that. Obviously, you know, we've seen over the last few years that uh, maybe it exists now to make money, right? <laughs> or to push an agenda. You know, you could look at it negatively like that. Um, so I've had to ask the question, can I separate my love for the experience from the corporation and the decisions that they're making and the agenda that they're expressing? And that's something I'm still praying about and, and figuring out the right way to do that. Because if I you know, pull away my little bit of support, if I don't renew my pass, if when I'm there, I kind of make a resolution not to buy anything, you know, am I you know, in some way affecting the people who work there? Or am I in, in a way actually making some kind of stand against a, a corporation that uh, is, you know, as soon as uh, the Dobbs decision is put out, here's, you know, their their words, their wording to their employees, to their cast members and their families, it says that, you know, they're going to, you know, comprehensive access to, uh, you know, including family planning and reproductive care. We know exactly what they mean when they say that, um, that they will offer, uh, they have a travel benefit that's going to cover medical situations related to, you know, this is good, cancer treatments, transplants, rare disease treatments, but then family planning, including pregnancy-related decisions. And so there's something, you know, I, I don't want to just throw the word demonic out there, but this is how the demonic works, is that you mean one specific thing, uh, and that's an evil thing, the evil of abortion, but you're not going to use that language. You're going to use another more comforting language to try to, again, normalize it and to make it seem as if this is a good thing that we're providing. And so it was just mm -hmm. really disheartening to read that, and uh, but also consider, you know, this has been in place for them for a long time, hasn't it? You know, so if they're saying, oh, we're going to continue this, and we're going to give you travels to other states if you have to, to access abortion, uh, then it, clearly it means that they've already, uh, I mean, they've already got a plan for this. 
Uh, they've already been pro- pro- providing that kind of support. And so I just right. have to really you know, deeply consider now, am I willing to sacrifice this part of my, uh, you know, my rejuvenation, uh, this part of my free time and leisure and recreation uh, in order to, you know, if, even if not just to make a political statement of my own, a stance against this corporation who's providing something e- evil, um, am I willing, you know, Jesus was asking me in prayer the other night, are you courageous enough to make this sacrifice? And I'm just like, it's barely a sacrifice, honestly, you know, uh, me having a Disney pass is almost like living out to the upper middle class dream. And as a priest, that's not exactly what I've been ordained for. And so these are things I've had to wrestle for. You know, it's not a bad thing for me to have a Disney pass, right? But it is important for me to uh, make the sacrifices that the Lord Jesus is asking me to. And it's becoming pretty clear that, you know, this is something I, you know, it it won't be easy, but I I do kind of have to step away from it uh, for the sake of my own soul, if not just Mm -hmm. to make some kind of statement. And I think that includes everything from, okay, I'm not going to go and see the Buzz Lightyear movie, you know, even if you don't have kids who are influenced by this, you know, or can talk to them about it, or, you know, I'm not going to go to Disneyland, or I'm not going to pay for that Disney Plus account. On one end of the spectrum, I think we love to think that if enough of us do this, Disney will hear, and they very well may. I think that they are hearing from parents. And I do think enough parents on both sides of the political spectrum, on both sides of many of these issues, are actually making it very clear with their spending power uh, that they're not okay with the push for LGBTQ content or the push for travel expenses, all-inclusive travel expenses, for out-of-state so-called abortion care, the killing of a baby in the taking of a mother's child and telling her that that's normal and okay and that that's what businesses do even though that's businesses do that because then they spend less money on onboarding new employees and on interviewing processes Mm -hmm. and the whole thing all of it again it has two perspectives one we can make a positive influence when enough people stop supporting these organizations but the other side of it father tim that i think you brought up that is so important is yes you can still have a disneyland pass you can still keep going to disneyland disneyland as you said is a place of rest rejuvenation and fun and that's something that we could all use and need especially in society today but can i or am I being called to make the sacrifice of letting go of this form of fun and entertainment? And I think it's kind of in some way similar, although slightly different to, for example, you know, businesses such as Bank of America have supported the abortion movement for years. Uh, Susan B. Anthony has supported, um, or sorry, Susie B. Coleman, the you know cancer um, organization raising money, has supported the pro-abortion movement for years, which is counterproductive because breast um, abortion causes breast cancer we can talk about that another day and and you even have places such as salvation army father tim that supports Mm. abortion i refuse to donate to salvation army because they support the abortion movement is it likely that my you know clothes and items that i'm giving are directly going to support abortion no but you know i think that there is this point where we don't need to kill ourselves over these issues in terms of trying to not support all these businesses. But these little sacrifices, Father Tim, are a form of mortification. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to why mortification is good for us and why, you know, choosing not to 
do a Disney Plus account or whatever it might be uh, could actually make a change in us and set a good example, especially for those who are looking to us. Yeah, it's because mortification is a way of prayer. And the catechism teaches that the primary effect of prayer is the transformation of the heart that one of the one that prays. And so just kind of praying over, you know, what this kind of sacrifice, it just feels so funny saying that word, I'm not going to have a Disney pass, that's a sacrifice, right? (laughs) Um, But that that kind of sacrifice, if it doesn't immediately change the Disney corporation, it changes my heart. And that is one of the primary effects of mortification is that if it's not, you know, it will, in the end, change the things around us but primarily it changes our hearts. And so that's the most important thing. And it makes that space for God to dwell within it. And so before any sacrifice is made uh, or any transformation happens is primarily there's the presence of God in that space. And so I just want to say something about that as well is uh, that Disneyland is mission is a mission field. It's mission territory. And the kind of people that I've met there and, you know, I've had conversations with people who've kind of wondered, like, why is there a priest wandering around with friends at Disneyland? And why is he in his clerics? You know, um, I don't know if any of my other priest friends wear clerics when they go to Disneyland, but, you know, it's a place where witness is needed. Um, I haven't done it since the, the Dobbs decision came down. So I, I would be curious what kind of response I would get then. Uh, but I remember, you know, just a few weeks ago, it was actually on Memorial Day. So it was like super busy. And I was waiting in line at one of the rides and I could hear a mom telling her teenage daughter about, uh, you know, her T-shirt that she was wearing, that the mom was wearing. And it said it had a big 1973 on it. And she said that somebody asked her what that meant. And she said, it's the day Roe was born. And I just like almost like puked right then and there in line. You would think that the physical nausea would come after the ride itself. Uh, but no, I, my, I was just like so disgusted that somebody would use the language of birth to describe the Roe versus Wade decision and to honor it in that way. And, you know, I, I got on the ride, I rode away, never saw them again, but it was uh, just this this very telling moment. And it's not the only time that I've seen st- and heard stuff like that at Disneyland. Uh, you know, I remember seeing some, uh, you know, couples walking around um, that I think there, there was a shirt with like the, the Disney font that said something like, you know, childless Disney adult. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's something to be proud about. Um, and that, you know, the whole idea of Disney adults is another whole thing of, you know, why do, why do adults go to Disneyland? You know, there's another shirt that says, I'm done, I'm done adulting. I'm going to Disneyland. And so it seems for these people that Disney, the Disney experience is an escape from their responsibilities. And I don't think it was ever meant to be that. It was meant to be a, a place of, uh, of rejuvenation through storytelling. And what has it become? It's become a place where this you know, Roe versus Wade generation could uh, run away from their responsibilities. Just another place to do that, I would dare say. And so I have to be aware of when I'm letting that happen in my own heart. And so that's why I go and looking at this mortification very seriously, not as just, you know, oh, it should be easy. It's no big deal but as something that my, where my heart still needs a lot of transformation. And when I do go, because I've still paid for the pass, um, do I, you know, that's another sacrifice. Do I, you know, not use what I've paid for or do I continue to enjoy it and treat it like a mission field? So there's a lot of prayer going into this. And again, it might not seem like a big deal to some people, um, but when it's, you know, it's a part of my childhood, it's a part of the way that I minister to people um, you know, there are some serious sacrifices that are to be considered for the sake of my own soul, too. 
And Father Tim, you remind me when we talk about mortification, the small sacrifice of you know giving up something like a Disneyland pass, a Disneyland, uh, a Disney Plus account, or not going to see a movie such as Buzz Lightyear. Each of this, those have its different place, but it reminds me of what my producer Jim just said, and that is Mother Teresa when she said, not all of us can do great things, mm-hmm. but we can do small things with great love. And you know, people all the time, I'm sure, ask you, Father, you know, how is it that you got to you know, choose to become a priest? You know, They want to hear your vocation story, and people ask you, you know, how is it that you're doing what you are on the radio today? You know, it's amazing, and yes, it's great. God's called us, and I've always been reminded, don't take it as a compliment if God calls you to do something that's seemingly important, um, because it's usually that he's using the weak, but he's calling all of us to do things, but sometimes we don't do something because we think that it has to be grand. Or we think that people have to see it or it has to have such a massive impact that, you know, we either solve world hunger or we don't help feed a single hungry person on the side of the road. And that's the truth of the matter. We become very egotistical about what we do. But as St. Mother Teresa said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And I think that this is, I think, a motto that can lead us to greater forms of prayer like you said through mortification and it can come all the way back to how we handle businesses and companies such as disney and others that's when father tim grumbach i've tagged him on instagram follow me at timmery t-i-m-m-e-r-i-e you can connect with father tim grumbach there as well as on twitter where we've tagged him Father Tim, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to come back talking about why we shouldn't lose hope as pro-abortion laws are being blocked in various states. This is going to take some time to work out. We have rogue judges not honoring the Constitution and that there is indeed and never has been a constitutional right to abortion. Also, I'm going to break down why there is never the need for an abortion due to saving the life of the mother or out of medical necessity. No such thing. This is a myth. We will debunk this in just a moment. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Is abortion ever medically necessary to save the life of the mother? No, it's not. I'm going to explain why in just a moment. First, I want to encourage you. Don't be disheartened as you hear various states such as Louisiana, Michigan, even places like Wisconsin and others where you're hearing Individuals who are supposed to be doing their jobs and upholding the law refusing to do so. We had the example I mentioned to you already over a month ago before Roe v. Wade was overturned, but in anticipation of it, where a Michigan judge took it on her own that she was going to just block the law that has been in effect for years there in the state of Michigan, refusing to uphold the pro-life law that would go into effect after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Well, the same thing's happening now in Louisiana, and I don't want you to be discouraged. Blocked, as I mentioned yesterday, the Louisiana abortion trigger law that would go into effect with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. This judge, just like many other judges, are taking it upon themselves to block essentially the law. And that is the fact that 
The Constitution of the United States does not uphold a right to abortion, and you can't ignore that. And I think it's fascinating because although this Louisiana uh, temporary block by the judge essentially allows for abortions to continue as of Monday, this block is temporary. It's basically trying to buy time as many pro-abortion advocates are saying, oh, shoot, Roe versus Wade has been overturned and my state has passed a pro-life law, but I want to try and keep my abortion clinics open. That's not constitutional and that's not the judge doing their job. These are rogue judges legislating from the bench. And I think it's important because I read through the Supreme Court decision. I mentioned this specific statement to you on Friday uh, when the news broke, and that is the Supreme Court Justice Alito actually issued a warning to the courts and judges over a situation just like this. He said, given that procuring an abortion is not a fundamental constitutional right, it follows that the state may regulate abortion for legitimate reasons. And when such regulations are challenged under the Constitution, courts cannot substitute their social and economic beliefs for the judgment of legislative bodies. So what is he saying? It's appropriate that states block or outright ban access or limit access to abortion. And the courts can't just substitute. Judges can't just substitute their opinions on abortion here. So what needs to happen? They're saying courts, judges, stop legislating from the benches. Stop being activists. And the courts must recognize they don't have the right to stop pro-life laws from going into effect. Here's the reality. This will not work itself out overnight. That is rogue judges choosing to ignore the law and the Constitution and the Supreme Court decision. And we're also not going to see states immediately becoming 100 pro-life and in completely abolishing abortion. We're also going to see states that pass more permissive abortion laws, which we already saw in places such as New York, Chicago, and happening here in California. We need to be patient. We need to be involved. We need to pray for our legislators. We need to pray for those who are involved in the pro-life movement advocating. And we need to get involved. Be pro-life. Post things on social media. Talk to family and friends. But I asked you on Friday an important question. What are you going to do in the pro-life movement today? What are you going to do and prepare to do in the coming weeks? How can you use your time and your talents and your treasures to save the women and children whose lives are being literally demolished, destroyed, ripped to pieces in the cases of babies, and ripped to pieces also in the case of women from the interpersonal, the psychological, the emotional fallout, and often also the medical, physical fallout that no one's talking about. So have hope because the reality is, is that these rogue judges are not on the side of the law. This is going to take some working out. But the truth of the matter is, abortion clinics across the nation are having to either shut down or end their abortion services because of pro-life laws that people like you have fought for. So thank you for what you're doing. Keep up the hard work. Don't get too caught up in the weeds. And tomorrow here on the show, uh, many of you have been asking me, how do I deal with family members who are radically pro-abortion? We're going to walk through some simple ways to handle those situations tomorrow here on Trending during our weekly Gentleman's Hour.
And by the way, red alert to California, and maybe there are others across the nation, feel free to send me those. I can't follow every single state politics, but my beloved California, there is a fight for life occurring, and you can contact your state legislators. I post a link on social media, especially Twitter, with information as there is a push for expansion of late-term abortion, and also a push to try and make it so that law enforcement cannot investigate or prosecute instances of of infanticide. That is the killing of babies after birth. That's right. This is insane and we need to speak up against these things. And so I've posted some information on social media. But the topic that I've been wanting to discuss with you, because I think that it is truly one of the most common arguments that we hear right now, is that people want two things, either to pass laws, pro-life laws that include an exception for abortion in the case of where they believe a mom may need it to save her life out of medical necessity. Or there are people who just think that we're cruel as pro-lifers and don't want exceptions for medical necessity of abortion. Let's be really clear, the short and the sweet of it, and it is the sweet of it, women do not allow yourselves to be lied to. Abortion is never ever, ever medically necessary to save the life of the mother. It is not. Early delivery, perhaps. We're going to walk through some of this, and I want to walk you through a number of points that are extremely important. What is abortion first? Abortion is the direct killing of a baby. The direct killing of a baby. The choice to kill a baby whether a woman is coerced, whether it's the physician choosing, whether it's family choosing, whether it's the mother of the baby choosing, abortion is the direct and intentional killing of the baby. Now, in the sister case to Roe versus Wade, that is Doe versus Bolton, that was decided on the same day as Roe v. Wade in 1973, that case is one that I pray and hope we will revisit as well. And that case gave women access to abortion under a very broad term, and that was health. I'm putting air quotes up for those who are with me on Instagram live now because this health exception was very broad. It included, for example, I'm quoting from the decision, physical, emotional, psychological, and familial dot 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 well-being. So anything having to do with any reason women might say for mental health, health, physical health, emotional health, familial health, that they want an abortion, this so-called health exception is what was brought up under Doe versus Bolton in 1973. And it's a part of what we are going to have to fight against. It's one of the major battles because it's, again, part of Doe versus Bolton, a Supreme Court decision in 1973 that was not overturned. And it's also a part of the cultural mindset that for some reason, everyone thinks there needs to be an exception for the health of the mother in every pro pro-life law, but that's not the case. There's no acceptable, arguable claim for why anyone should need an abortion for any reason. Early delivery of a baby, preterm labor, cesarean section at an earlier gestational age, even an age that could be more detrimental to a baby that's not fully developed, is something totally separate from the direct killing of a baby. This is why I love that phrase that the pro-life movement has upheld for years. Save them both. Life-saving care 
for both mother and baby, fighting for both lives equally. Now, medical advancements change. We have growing and growing capacities, which is part of the reason why this whole Supreme Court case came to us to begin with was because the line of viability, which is currently with current medical technologies at 22 weeks, babies are surviving. We had news of a historic record broken about a year and a half ago of a baby that survived at 21 weeks gestation. But let's talk about some examples for early delivery. Early delivery for life-threatening situations are legitimate. There can be life-threatening situations that a woman can experience that delivering a baby early can help save her life. Now, aborting the baby, you could argue, might help save her life as well. There are complications. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, But why do we have to kill the baby? Why can't we remove, extract the baby from the woman's body? So some examples could be extremely high blood pressure that can lead to something such as preeclampsia. Actually, my cousin's adopting a baby right now, and the birth mom has a very high blood pressure and has a history of preeclampsia. They're preparing for an early delivery, not an early termination and death of a baby. I know, so pray for them. Another example would be cancer. Actually, a woman who listens to the show, her name's Maria, please pray for her. She has a very, very, very serious uh, form of cancer and she needs to receive medical treatment. She, for a moment, was considering having an abortion. After talking to her, she knew this wasn't right. We walked through it. She's choosing life for a baby, but she is going to be delivering her baby early so that she can receive treatment. Now, we'll talk about that more in a moment. There can also be situations where diabetes can be life-threatening, decompensating heart disease. Uh, Pray for a young woman, by the way, by the name of Grace, who's 13 years old, where physicians are concerned for her life and are wrongly advising abortion. Abortion isn't necessary for a 13-year-old with health reasons. Abortion isn't necessary for a 30-year-old with health reasons. But because we live in a pro-abortion culture, these physicians who are pro-abortion and nurses and others are taking upon themselves to recommend abortion because That is seemingly to them the easy way out. Now, it's important to recognize something very important. We talk about potential medical examples where early delivery might be of necessity. Early delivery is much safer for a woman than an abortion, especially when we're talking about a later term abortion in those second and third trimesters. Because the reality is, is that when people talk about life-threatening situations where they think a woman needs an abortion, it's usually in the later part of the second and third trimester. Well, late-term abortions are a two- to three-day process. A emergency delivery of a baby through induction or cesarean section could take could happen within an hour. That's far, far safer for a woman. Again, life-saving care, early delivery, perhaps, not at the direct killing of a baby through abortion. Now, Dr. Anthony Leventino, who, by the way, was an abortionist, but took a change of heart and actually spent nine years in residence at a hospital designed to take care of specifically one type of women. That was high-risk women, high-risk pregnancies. He said he saw hundreds of cases, I'm quoting him, hundreds of cases of really severe pregnancy complications. He said, I saved hundreds of women from life-threatening pregnancies, and I did that by delivering the babies. 
by ending their pregnancy by delivery, either by induction or cesarean section. He says, in all of those years, the number of babies that I had to deliberately kill in an abortion was zero. None. This is a man who worked as a physician treating women with high-risk pregnancies and delivering their babies, and not once did he come across any medical necessity to save the life of the mother. Early delivery, yes. Direct killing of a baby, no. Medical advancements continue to improve for the care of mom and baby. Harmful medical treatments for a baby that is good for a mom is different than the direct killing of a baby. Chemotherapy could unfortunately cause a miscarriage if a woman chose that. Or as in the case of Maria, pray for her and others who are choosing to forego chemotherapy until after a baby's born, that's a heroic choice. But again, she didn't choose an abortion. She could have chosen various treatments like chemo that have, could have been dangerous for a baby, but that didn't kill the baby. That's the pro-life choice. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Wednesday is our weekly Gentleman's Hour, and we are taking your questions. Anything gentlemen goes, questions you might otherwise may or may not ask your mom, your sisters. We're also going to talk about how to deal with relatives who are pro-abortion, especially as the topic's a little hot right now in conversation and animosity might be building. Join me Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.